Ladies and gentlemen, we are not live because I record these in advance. Duh. Welcome to the Fighting With Myself podcast, a podcast for the average MMA fan hosted by an above average man. And I am that man. My name is Juice. And today I'm actually feeling pretty average. And there's a couple of reasons for that. And uh, by now you know the episode was delayed by one day, which I've almost never done. I started this show, my first episode released April 1st, 2019. I missed one weekend, May 18th, because your boy got married. And there's been some times where I release it very late on Sunday, which might be Monday for some of you guys in other parts of the world. There's there's even a time when I released a special addendum episode on a Monday because I forgot somebody's question and I never want to do that. I released the whole last episode just for that person. And yesterday I was not feeling it. I was not feeling it. I was going to come on and say a bunch of shit that wasn't directed at anybody actually listening to the podcast. So I decided that would be very bad and I held off. Uh, Over the last several, well, I mean years really, but It's gotten worse over the past few months. I've been struggling with depression. And yesterday was at an all-time high. Or low, I should say. You see, my cat, Goose, we just found out he has small cell lymphoma. And even as we speak, my wife is taking him to the vet to get his B12 shot because... We're supposed to be able to do it at home, and I can't do it. Many of you know, I am unable to have kids. So, we treat our cats like our kids. And if you don't have pets, you can't relate. But, uh, they're part of the family. They really are. And... My cat is is really is my son. So it's funny. I mean it's not funny. But I've had cancer twice. Both times uh testicular and when they told me the news the first time they said This is the kind of cancer you want to have because it has a 91% success rate. And I I just, I sat there in the office. I said, I could not believe this man just fucking said that to me. I'm like, the kind of cancer you want to have is no cancer, you fucking schmuck. And when we got the news from the vet, um, he said, if you're a cat, this is the kind of cancer you want because it's mostly benign And uh, the quality of life is relatively the same. And uh, I was like, first of all, how fucking dare you? (laughs) And then second of all, my wife and I were just sitting there thinking, how did we both get 
the fucking cancer that they say is the good cancer. Because, spoiler alert, none of it is. And my wife at one point asked me, so why did this happen? I said, oh, he just wants to be like his dad. So I hope you can forgive me for being a day late. The other thing is this. The podcast lately has not brought me joy. And I'm going to Marie Kondo the fuck out of this right now. Let me tell you what the podcast is going to look like moving forward. Um, I'm not going to do a, a fight-by-fight recap anymore of, of last night's fights. Uh, well, now it's two nights ago, but it'll be, you know, obviously moving forward. I'm going to stick to my normal schedule. Um, I'm going to talk about some stories that have emerged from that. Because that's what I'm good at, and that's what I like to do. I like to talk about the stories. I like to talk about the the controversial moments, the feel-good moments, any stories I feel that emerged from these fights. Do I want to sit here and talk about 15 fights, dude? Shoot me in the face. I felt assaulted by last night's card. I keep saying that. <laughs> I was used to saying last night's card. Saturday's card. I felt assaulted. 15 fights? I mean, part of me was like, a fucking, my inner Just Bleed guy came out. I was like, fuck yeah, 15 fights. And then, after the prelims, it was like, fuck yeah, seven fight main card. By the end of it, it was like, seven fight main card. Holy fuck. But the main event was fire. And that is one of the stories we're going to cover. So to start things off, the first thing I want to talk about is Herb Dean. Now, Herb Dean, if if you guys don't know, actually used to, to fight in the cage. When he started out his career, he was just training and he took some fights to kind of I don't know, sometimes you just take, even if you don't have a plan to be a fighter as a career, you just take fights to kind of gauge where you're at, test yourself, it's something fun. Sometimes promoters will drop by the gym and like, hey, you got any guys ready? And someone raises their hand, you know. Um, Herb had some fights in King of the Cage. Um, I believe maybe some other promotions as well, but generally in that Southern California area, he he had a couple of fights. Um, But he also, it was in that time when uh, they didn't have a lot of refs and they needed people that were, uh, you know, experienced in it, who had actually fought, who trained, who know things, you know, know about jujitsu. Herb raised his hand. And he, I would say I'm, I'm over-paraphrasing, oversimplifying his history. Like, I could do a whole episode on the fucking history of Herb Dean. But either way, it's not just some guy that decided to become a ref. Uh, he's very knowledgeable and has been doing it a lot of time. As a matter of fact, in California... Uh, which is one of the highest regarded states in terms of commissions. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking about specifically with MMA, with uh, athletic commissions, and with um, just overall uh, stress on health and safety of the fighters. You have to take either Big John's class or Herb Dean's class. That's it. At least that that is according to Frank Trigg, uh, who is licensed in California. Someone maybe correct me if I'm wrong. If not, I'm sorry. Uh, so Herb Dean has been at this for a long time. Now, it's fair to say, as of late, and when I say that, I mean the past couple of years, Herb has had some bad stoppages. And the problem with this is usually we don't hear from them. And so we just bury these refs. 
And I have to say, it's, it's very easy to do that in this case. Uh, he had two bad stoppages. They were pretty bad. Um, but then I saw a video that he made that was posted by Chisanga Malata. Shout out to him. Breaking down the stoppages and sort of what transpired. And he said something very interesting I want to talk about, which is this. He said, remember, this is, an are this is a closed arena where there's no fans. So everyone in the building is professionals. And they know what their job is. And they know what my job is. My job is to stop the fight when the fighter's taking too much damage. There's two people who can advise me on that. The ringside physician, because they know more about the human body. And they may uh, know something I don't know in terms of protecting him from the damage. And the fighter's corner. Uh, who train with him every day, coach him. They know more about what it's like in the gym. Maybe they see something he doesn't. Herb said that he heard someone saying, stop the fight, which we now know. I mean, I guess we kind of always knew pretty much Dan Hardy and Paul Felder were screaming that. Herb didn't know. He was focused on the action like he should, doing his job. After the fight, he asked the ringside physician, hey, was that you yelling stop the fight? He goes, no, I thought that was a fine stoppage. Um, which actually, not that a doctor knows about martial arts usually, but they also know when it's safe to take a certain amount of punishment. So if a doctor says it's a good stoppage, that makes me feel better. I'm still kind of upset about it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not letting Herb off the hook here, but hearing that a doctor thought it was a fine stoppage, uh, that eases me up a little bit. Uh, he was not able to talk to the coroner, but he did talk to the inspectors with the commission who are uh, in charge of the coroner. And they said, no, that they did not stop the fight. And we saw the video, or maybe you didn't, um, of Dan Hardy basically yelling at Herb Dean, being like, hey, man, what the fuck? You got to stop. You, you got to protect these fighters. And can I just say, first of all, we were taking the piss out of Dan Hardy online uh, just a few days before the fight for going at some 15 year old. Number one. Not convinced that guy's 15. Uh, people lie on their, about their age online all the time. And these cucks with the fake Gabbies uh, say they're whatever they want. They're all probably teenagers, let's be real. But some, whenever I make those posts, everyone's like, well, I'm 40. Well, I'm 26. I'm like, okay, bro, fine. Anyway, might be lying. But that sort of has nothing to do with what happened. What I want to talk about in regards to Dan Hardy is how he's... He shames people for tapping to strikes. He's like, that's not a good display of, of, of being a martial artist. You should find a way out of there until the ref uh, you know, pulls the other guy off of you. And I'm like, bro, that's not it. Go back to what Mixed the Man said on the Turbo Team episode. Normalize tapping to strikes. So you can't be a guy who says, don't tap to strikes, be a warrior, and also shame Herb Dean for possibly letting this guy take too much damage. Now, a big shout-out and big credit goes to Francisco Trinaldo. Because, first of all, Jai Herbert was looking very good, uh, was piecing the shit out of Francisco Trinaldo, for the most part. I mean, it wasn't, like, terribly one-sided. You know, they were, it was a pretty good back-and-forth fight, but Jai Herbert was, for the most part, in control. And uh, another quick shout-out, I think, goes to uh, Dan Stupp, I want to say, uh, former senior editor of The Athletic. Uh, you know, someone I hold in high regard. He wrote a piece that you guys should check out. I mean, now it's a little bit 
um, you know, past its time in terms of, you know, relevance to, to the situation. He said why you should be um, not counting the veteran out, why you should, why you shouldn't just be calling him a gatekeeper, uh, why uh, you shouldn't expect the young lion to run through the old lion. The old lion's got some fight in him, and that's what we saw. Francisco Trinaldo dropped him clean. I don't know if it was a left hook. I, th I want to say it was. It was a left or a right. It was a something. It put him the fuck down. And Jai Herbert was out, bro. And so Francisco Toronto was expecting sort of a walk-off KO, but he didn't. He didn't walk off, but he was sort of standing over him, almost like looking at Herb. Herb was not going to stop the fight. He landed maybe one or two follow-up shots, but very patiently and slowly. Uh, he didn't just go nuts. And that's when Herb was like, Okay, I need to stop this fight. Why does it take that? Why do you have a guy out cold? And I get... So, I, I meant to say this earlier. We don't often acknowledge enough that the ref has the hardest and most important job in this sport. But because of that, they open themselves up to a fair amount of criticism in these scenarios. And this is why I'm glad that Herbie made that video. And I think he should do more of those. He should do those for every fight. Because if we don't hear from, because the problem is the ref has the best seat in the house to determine what's going on. And from the angle we were at, at least when they showed on the broadcast, Francisco's back was to the camera and Jai Herbert was in front of him. So I actually couldn't see Jai, but I, I saw a man go fucking limp, and I saw his eyes roll back into his head. That's what I saw before the the view was skewed. <laughs> the view was skewed. Before, the, before our view was uh, skewed. But it didn't stop there. Later on that night, and I hope I'm getting these chronologically right, Tanner Bozer versus Rafael... Pejoa, Pessoa, hope I'm getting that right. Tanner Bozer cracked him, and Rafael went down, turtled up immediately. And Tanner Bozer landed way too many follow-up shots, not way too many, but uh, that could have been stopped right away. He he crumpled and turtled up, and I know you got to give him every opportunity to get out of there, uh, but it seems like that he wasn't interested in that. He was just turtling up. Um, and Tanner Bozer just had to keep landing those those follow-up shots. Starting to get really high on this Tanner Bozer kid, uh, by the way, because he's a guy that probably, if he got his regimen together, could make a cut to 205, but he'd rather not cut weight and, and fight the big boys. Respect to that. Um, respect, absolutely. And he gives that most absolutely nuts post-fight interviews. And I love the fucking press conference when he opened up the monster can or wherever that was with his teeth. It's like, bro, that's why you have teeth missing. I think it was KGB that tweeted out that. So someone did, and I thought it was hilarious. But that I want to say this really surprised me because normally when Herb has a bad stoppage, later on the night, like a late stoppage, rather, when he has a, a late stoppage, later on in the night, he might have an early stoppage to sort of uh, overcompensate. He just had two late stoppages. And in a time right now when MMA is 
well, I mean, a lot of sports are coming back now, but when, when this is the major shit that's going on in the sporting world and the UFC was the first one to come back and other promotions are just barely starting to come back, you got to make sure your best guys are on their best game every time. And I suppose that goes for for any time. That doesn't just mean, you know, during this time when, when it's the only thing going on. But it's especially important now. So I want to say, uh, you know, open invitation for Herb to come on the show, even if <laughs> he's not going to fucking come on my show. Um, it's too rinky dink. But open invitation to Herb and any ref that wants to come on and explain their stoppages. Open invitation. Next thing I want to talk about is Hamzat Chimaev. Is he overhyped? What is his ceiling? I saw a lot of people. There was there was two kinds of tweets that were on the timeline about this guy. There was either one saying, "Oh my God, he's an ex fucking thing. Line him up. Let's have him fucking run through everybody. He he can fight twice in a night. He can do this. He's gonna be Kamaru. Fuck everybody. He's gonna be two weight champion." Or there was, fuck you casuals hyping up this guy. You don't know shit about him until 10 days ago when he made his debut. Uh, let's not, let's fucking pump the brakes. And I'm sitting here somewhere in the middle going, I mean, closer to the, to the hype train, let's be fair. But I was like, hold on. Just because you're not ready to put him on a pedestal doesn't mean he's trash. There's a lot of people saying, oh yeah, he, he ran through uh, another unknown welterweight and John Phillips, that's not enough for me to say he's a fucking contender. And I'm like, Hold, pump the brakes. Are we going to act like John Phillips can't put anybody's lights out at any moment? That motherfucker's dangerous. And yes, he doesn't have any grappling, but to get to the grappling, you have to get past those hands and those knees. And Hamzat didn't give a fuck about those hands and those knees. He gorilla fucked the shit out of John Phillips raw until he got a darts choke. And it was beautiful. Then he turns around 10 days later, and that was at 185. Turns around 10 days later, cuts to welterweight, and fights again in Reese, Reese McKee. Now, Reese McKee is in a household name, but, uh, but European uh, fans will know he's legit. And I'm not saying. I think this guy's going to be champion. I'm not saying give him the fast track like they did with Izzy and Connor and Cody Garbrandt and fucking Darren Till. I'm just saying this guy's skills are worth respecting. I mean, you heard John Good on the broadcast say that he's been down to All-Stars for years, seeing Hamzat spar kickboxing with Alexander Gustin and hold his own. He's seen him take down Ilir Latifi, a guy who is a fucking massive, uh, massively strong guy fights at 205 and heavyweight, and can take down anybody, basically. And Hamzat is taking this guy down. So, can, can we chill? on? I guess on both things, I'm probably going to still hype him up, because it's worth hyping, in my opinion. But let's not shit on the guy. He just gave us two amazing performances where he was looking for a finish the entire time. And then one on the mic said, yeah, let's go line him up, brother. I mean, how can you not fucking love that? And I got a shout out my girl, Ashley MMA nerd, soul twin, my birthday buddy, for having a tweet 
similar to what I just said, basically saying, can we give the Kamaya fans a break? We're all just Khabib fans that are sad about missing him or something like that. Check it out. It was great. And I agree with it. But let's move on because I don't... Uh, the questions that we have around him, I don't have the answers to. Like, what, are his, what is his ceiling? You know, who's next for him? That stuff's going to come later. But right now, I'm just going to be, uh, you know, celebrate the guy's amazing performances. And last but not least, I want to talk about the main fucking event. Honorable mention, Paul Craig. Paul fucking Craig. Whenever we doubt the guy, he pulls through in a big way. He is 2-0 against that camp with fucking Russian grapplers who fucking pound him out and take him down. He got that triangle quick. Shouts to Paul Craig. Shouts to Scotland. I really want to know that fucking Bear Jew nickname story. He went on the podcast. He went on, he went on Arrow's podcast. He went on Arrow's show uh, years ago. I think it was when he made his debut, if I'm honest. Um, and... Ariel asked him about the nickname, and he was like, what happens in the gym stays in the gym. And he was like, well, are you Jewish? Because I'm Jewish, and that would be cool if we could rally behind another Jewish fighter. He's like, listen, where I come from, you're either Protestant or Catholic, and that's it. But wouldn't say which one he is. I'm like, Paul Craig, stop being so fucking cagey. Just say, hey, man, I'm Catholic. It is a reference to the Inglorious Bastards movie. I did something in the gym very similar to Eli Roth's character in Inglorious Bastards, and they call me the Bear Jew. That's fucking it, bro. Just say it. I mean, I don't know. The mystique is... Uh, it's starting to wane a little bit. Uh, I'm starting to just, like... I want to fucking interrogate him and be like, tell us your fucking nickname story, bro. Anyway, I meant to be a quick shot to Paul Craig. Turned out to be a little diatribe. That's That's why you're here. Uh, but yeah, the main event, Robert Whitaker versus Darren Till. And I have to say, if Darren Till fights just about anyone in that division, besides Whitaker and, and Izzy, I'm going to fucking hype him up. I love Darren Till. I love his personality. I love his fighting style. I hate the criticisms on him. Uh, I think people love to tear people down. I think people love to shit on people that are getting hype. Uh, I don't know what that is. And I don't know why that is. Um, the guy the guy is great. And then there is a fair amount of, of speculation. I mean, I referenced last time a couple of tweets that I've seen uh, to say, you know, I've seen all of Darren's fights post-Cowboy, and I still don't know how good he is or where, where he stands. And that's that's fair. But... Um, he's given us some amazing performances and this was no different. Uh, even someone I respect, Brandon, the truth said, Darren Till edged this fight on his scorecards. I personally had Whitaker, but it was close enough for me to not really take issue with that. Um, it was a pretty clear three rounds to two for, for Robert Whitaker, in my opinion. Uh, but I hate scoring round by round. I hate the 10 point must system. So for me, it's, it's not something that I, um, I like to talk about too much, especially when you talk about damage. Um, I mean, it's just, it's just a cut. Like those are, those are like aesthetic things, but Darren Till hit fucking Robert Whitaker with a nasty elbow in that fifth round, opened up a big gash and Robert Whitaker was just bleeding as fuck. Uh, decided to engage in the wrestling, which that really was the factor in this fight. 
The striking was pretty close. Whitaker actually did edge him out in significant strikes, even though I'm not like a stats guy. That did happen. But Robert Whitaker also was wrestling him. We're talking about a guy who is on the Australian national wrestling team, I believe. And uh, I believe he's also a black belt in jiu-jitsu. And Darren Till was actually able to, for the most part, defend the takedowns. I mean, he got him down, but then he was able to pop right back up. Uh, not enough is said about that in regards to Darren Till's takedown defense. Um, but the striking was there. Robert Whitaker was landing. He was landing big. Uh, they were both landing. Uh, I thought Robert Whitaker was scaring the fuck out of me. I, like, I, I'm a massive Robert Whitaker fan. I did not get to be a Robert Whitaker fan during his uh, the majority of his title reign. I, sh- I shouldn't say his title reign, but the majority of uh, my his, his title reign in regards to my show because the only time he fought when I've been doing this podcast is Izzy. Um, I mean, he was scheduled to fight Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, but even then, actually, I started my show. My third episode was like that Izzy Gastelum fight. So that was before. So yeah. Um, fucking Israel's like my second favorite active fighter right now. I'm, I'm going to fucking pick him over anybody. And Robert Whitaker is just my, like my number two in that division. Uh, I love Robert Whitaker. So I was so happy for him to get this win, man. Uh, a, f- a family man. I'm uh, talking about, you know, having to quarantine for two weeks before he can see his uh, see his kids. Uh, that's heartbreaking. He's a guy who really uh, put it on the line for us. And we love to see it. So my question is this. Where do they go? both go from here? And... I think the good news is that at this division, we have options. I personally really want to see Robert Whitaker versus Jared Cannonier. Um, we were supposed to get that fight in London, and I really want to see it. I really want to see it. I know uh, Jack Hermanson had that really nice win and uh, and said that he wants the winner of this fight, and that he believed it would be Robert Whitaker. And I wouldn't hate that fight. But Cannonier beat Hermanson, and I think Hermanson is like one more away from a title shot. And Robert Whitaker beating Darren Till, while Darren Till is good and hyped, he's only had one fight in the division, and it was against a guy on a losing streak. So I don't know if that's uh, something that really makes him worthy about getting back in the title picture. Dominant as he was as a champion, you know, with those fights with Yoel, but I got to say, Robert Whitaker versus Kenneer feels like a true number one contender fight. And that's that's what I'm here for. I miss those. I miss those legit number one contender fights where both guys um, are deserving and uh, both get a title shot if they win. You know, sometimes you have a, have a fight where they're just sort of like setting someone up. You know, like, oh, if this guy wins, he'll get a title shot. If not, the other one will just go to the back of the line. Like, I don't like that. And as far as Darren Till, where does he go from here? Man, Darren Till versus Hermanson is a fun fucking fight. Or Hermanson, Jack, the Joker, the fucking guy that ripped Kelvin Gaslam's heel off. That guy, that's a fun-ass fight. Uh, but that division is full of fun-ass fights for him. You could even do Darren Till versus Yoel. I mean, even though he was, he was like, I don't want to fight Yoel, he's scary. Um, I think that's just fucking, that's just jokes. But, uh, yeah, the good news is Darren Till looked good in a loss. 
his losses here to four have have been well stoppages, but also ones where we kind of want to question his ceiling. And I think he proved the doubt wrong. I think the weight cut at 170 was terrible. I mean, we knew that, but the the Kelvin fight didn't really show us that because um, he kind of played it safe. He talked about his nerves. That's part of why I love Darren Till. The, the the honesty, like he just wears his heart on his sleeve, even when he wants to say some fucked up shit. Gotta love it. Gotta stand. And that brings us to the end of uh, of these fights. Moving forward, if there's a specific fight you want to talk about, ask about it in the forum. Because I'm going to just talk about the main stories, the main fights I want to talk about. And even if there's a really banger of a fight, I might not necessarily talk about it. I mean, Shogun versus Little Nog. Wow. Fucking a quick shout out to Eric Sama for this fucking tweet. Sama, sorry. I know you had a tweet about the uh, anime pronunciation. Sama. Um, but uh, <laughs> saying, how is this fight trash and lit at the same time? Because, yeah, they were kind of sloppy. But it was all heart, dude. It was all heart. And they were just going for it. All offense, no defense. Real throwback fight. And while the matchup made me cringe, um, and while I want to see both these guys retire, I didn't hate it. I did not hate this fight. So... Shout out to those guys. And as I said, moving forward, if there's a specific fight you want to talk about, talk about it in the forum. Because I might necessarily talk about it in the recap. You all saw these fights. And if you, and if you didn't, and you're looking at me for a recap, well, watch an MMA Digest video. Listen to comments versus Rhino. Split Decision Pockets. They're all very good at recapping these fights. And that's not something I do well. So... Before I get into the forum, before we take a quick break, I want to give a belated birthday shout-out to the king, the middleweight king, Israel, the last style bender, Adesonia. I cannot tell you how happy I am to have a birthday so close to his, especially I'm the kind of guy that kind of has birthday month a little bit. Like, not really, but when it's... Like the weeks leading up to my birthday, I get so hyped. And then afterward, I'm like, I don't want to just let that go. I want to keep fucking being happy. I want to do awesome things. So the fact that I feel like I'm also celebrating my birthday with Izzy. Love it. I love it. I really do. So let's take a quick break and then we'll dive right into the forum. Just like that, the forum starts now. I'm going to start things off right this week with a DM from my good homie Philly MMA dude, co-host of the Split Decision podcast, a must-listen. He says, Juice, two-part question. First, Francisco Trinaldo had an incredible come-from-behind knockout win against Jai Herbert last night. Who do you like next for the Wiley Vet? And to be honest, I just want to see him in fun fights. Um, I want to see him in, like, not not these, like, fights where these young lions are looking to make a name off of him. Even though, obviously, he put a cap in that. He put, put a stop to that. I put a cap in that. <laughs> what am I, crazy? Um, 
It's not that kind of show. But I like to see him in fights where, I don't know, it's just a, just fireworks. If I'm not mistaken, didn't James Vick get a win over him? Although I feel like now that fight would go very differently, given how ch 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 chinny James Vick is. So maybe he would absolutely fucking dismantle him. I would enjoy that. Or, you know what? Would be a good fight for both guys. Uh, would be the Mark Jacquesi fight. Uh, Mark Jacquesi just uh, suffered a... Not suffered, but he had a, a tough loss against uh, Rafael Fiziev. Fiziev. I think it's Fiziev. People were saying Fiziev. But it's uh, Russians pronounce it E. You don't do the vowels differently. It's like Fiziev. Fiziev. I'm even fucking saying it. Fiziev. Anyway. Um, that's a good fight for Mark Jacquesi. And... Uh, even though I said, like, not giving him the Young Lions. Mark Jacquesi, I feel like, is, has enough UXV experience where that doesn't really apply. So, yeah, I like that fight a lot, actually. Trinola versus Jacquesi. Book it. And he said, second, what to make of Herb Dean's horrendously late stoppage of that fight? This was the second time in one night that Herb did this as well. Should refs be punished or suspended for making multiple egregious errors in a single night? You're damn right they should. And it feels like we say this all the time and nothing ever happens. And I almost feel like the narrative is a little tired. But you know what? I was I was thinking of a couple things. First off, I, I saw a tweet from Luke Thomas saying that um, forms of public outrage and outcry are the only, the only way to get things done, uh, which I think in, in, in a large part is true. Uh, you know, if, if people don't speak out and make a huge case of it, like make a perhaps an even bigger deal than it is, even though it is a big deal, make it even bigger. That's how we enact change. And I was also thinking about uh, the gentleman that made that fucking a terrible uh, non-stoppage. I, I suppose it was a late stoppage, uh, but uh, the terrible call in the Thomas Gifford, uh, Mike Davis fight, that gentleman was removed from the car. And that wasn't multiple errors to your question, Phil. That was one big fucking error where he let that kid take a beating. And the Florida Commission said, you know what? This guy was scheduled for later on in the night and we're pulling him because we can't have that fucking negligence representing our uh, commission. They can do it. And you know what the problem is? I don't know this for a fact. I would have to look into this. But I'm pretty sure when the UFC goes overseas, I think it varies from place to place. In a place like Abu Dhabi, the UFC is self-regulated. They are their own commission. They they bring in Mark Radner to uphold the rules. Uh, and that's, how, that, that's who sanctions it. I don't think... Uh, the UAE or, or Abu Dhabi or Dubai or, or whatever you want to say, I don't think they have their own commission. I could be wrong on that. Don't uh, don't call me out if I'm if I'm wrong. If someone actually has the answer, let me know. But that's what I think. So that was completely up to the UFC. They were okay with that job. It makes you wonder. It makes me want to put my tinfoil hat and say, um, you know. Do, do they think it's good for business, this kind of controversy, for it to be talked about? Like, can you imagine that? That would be fucking wild. 
I don't know, but to answer to answer your question, Phil, yes, I do. I do think refs should be punished. I think situations like this, like with with the two stoppages, I said it earlier. Oftentimes, what happens is he'll have a late stoppage, and then he he'll get uh, you know want to overcompensate. You know, his confidence will, will be shaken a little bit, and he'll have an early stoppage that same night to to kind of balance it out, and that's not it either. And so I don't know what he was doing. Maybe doubling down. Maybe he didn't like the fact that he heard the commentary uh, say it. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to let these ones go a little longer. I doubt that. That would be really terrible. And like I said, after seeing that video from Chisanga Malata, I'm, uh, of Herb Dean that Ch- Chisanga posted, um, I- I'm, I'm pretty convinced that you know Herb just thought he was in the right and he was still intent on doing the, the job he was going to do regardless. But it really just makes me wonder, you know? So, uh, yeah, I would, uh, you know, I really want to get, you know, once things go back to normal and my boy T-Cross has some more shows under his belt, I really want to get him back on and get his take on a lot of things like this because it's fucking outrageous, the things that happen. So uh, thank you for that question, and I think we need to delve into this further. And and I also want to say, by the way, I, I saw, shout out to... Um, Oh, I, f- I forget the gentleman's name. Realejo, Jose Realejo, John Realejo, from from Bloody Canvas. He posted a clip of Herb Dean making basically the same shit happen in the fucking Joe Lozon versus Takanori Gomi fight. Joe Lozon stopped the fight himself. He had a fucking back mount on Takanori Gomi and was just raining punches. Uh, Takanori Gomi was covering up and out of sorts with not even blocking some of the punches. Like sometimes though he was on the side that wasn't covered up. He was eating those punches too. And Joe Lawson eventually was like, Hey man, what the fuck got up? Didn't even necessarily celebrate. Like as soon as he stood up, the commentary was like, Oh, it's all over. And then they saw Herb Dean, like still looking at him. And then Herb Dean waved the fight off. Joe stopped that fight himself. And rightly so. I mean, fuck's sake, man. And I want to parlay that into a question from the homie type of my photo at Old Saint Kicks. Shout out to this guy. Much uh, much appreciated loyal listener of the podcast. He said, did you cover Dan Hardy's reaction to Herb Dean shitting the bed on your show? If not, what are your thoughts? I think it was good he said something. With no fans to badger Herb there, I think it was a solid move. You know what? I agree, but also... This is the problem. Again, I, I mentioned this in my uh, recap or, or what have you, which is a non-recap as we know. No. You can't have it both ways, Dan. You can't shame fighters for tapping to strikes and then yell at Herb Dean for not stopping the fight. Yes, I get it. I get the fact that you don't want people to tap to strikes because there is a ref there. Stop the fight. The ref's supposed to do his job and protect the fighters. But at some point, there has to be a system of checks and balances in place. I really think that's what it comes down to. Uh, I don't want to get too political, but if you know anything about how the American government works, we have checks and balances. And uh, I don't know enough about it to really break it down. And I'm not going to do that. But we have the executive branch, the legislative branch, and the fucking Congress branch. No, <laughs> fuck's sake. This is why America's down the shitter. Um, but it's basically Congress, the Supreme Court, and the Prez. And they check each other. So, uh, you know, the president can veto a bill from Congress and Congress has to declare war and someone can declare it unconstitutional, the, the legislative branch. It's all a fucking circle. So you have the ref, you have the corner, and then you have the fighter. 
or the ringside physician rather, uh, at some point the fighter has to fit in there. And if none of those other parties involved, they're going to save them from themselves. They should be able to tap the strikes. Again, not really what you said, not really your question, but it, I'm going with it because that's Dan's mentality. So you have a guy who's yelling at, at Herb. Um, and, and I thought, you know, hey, and Paul did it as well. Paul, it's, it's funny how Paul Felder had basically the same reaction, um, except for Dan went at Herb after the fight as well. Um, but Paul basically had the same reaction, and, and Paul is not, is not catching any flat. I think people are just ready to fucking body Dan Hardy from from going at that alleged teenager um, on 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 the timeline. So, yeah, I I just I don't know what what the right call is here, because again. I did not like the stoppage from Herb Dean. Rightly so. And I don't know if it's it I don't know if it really hits coming from Dan Hardy is what I'm saying. I don't know, man. I don't know. But I I, I love I love the fire. I, I thank you for bringing it up. And um I don't know. I really want to like have a solid thing to say where it's like, yeah, we need to speak up about this sort of thing. But more importantly, Herb needs to speak out. And that's kind of what I'm saying where he did with those videos. I like that. And I wish he would go on a show where you can get live feedback. Perhaps Dan and Herb both go on the show, a show, let's call it mine, you know, <laughs> and uh, and we, we hash this out. It's It's really needed i think i don't know but uh i want to move on now to the um to the voice questions and the first one comes from a man pat tobin hello juice you honorary fair dinkum aussie for the night how are you mate hope you enjoy the fights uh just wanted to ask get your opinion on kamara uzman uh, he's very big for a welterweight, and I'm not normally a f fan of guys jumping up weight divisions too quickly, but he seems to have, he's got a long streak, and he's only a couple of fights away from cleaning out that division, I think. So, assuming he does, how do you think he'd fare against the uh, elite middleweights of the world? Seems to me like there's a lot of strikers at the top of that uh, middleweight division, so a pure wrestler could make it very interesting. Uh, guys like Whitaker, Costa, even Romero still wants to use his striking, so how do you think Usman would do with his elite wrestling? <laughs> Fucking oath, mate. Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, I was so happy for uh, for Robert Boyd. I was, I was like, I'm a fucking Aussie tonight. I think even when I when I was watching uh, when I was watching UFC 213 in the arena, I've told the story. Uh, I was on the on the very top, and in the, just the section over to me, there was a bunch of Aussies there to support Robert Whitaker. And they were like, oh, 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 I think I joined in at one point is what I'm trying to say here. I was like, so, especially after he started to turn the tide, after I could see his knee was out. And I was like, fuck yeah, dude. So pumped. Uh, to answer your question, Usman, uh, I got to say, I'm a, you guys know I'm a massive fan of Israel. Obviously, obviously the champion at 185. That was a, a mouthful. Obviously, I'm a fan of Israel Adesonia, the champion at 185. Um, and Kamaro and Izzy are friends, to my knowledge. They both have the Nigerian connection. Um, 
Kamaro, I believe, was at the fight where Izzy won the bell from Kelvin. And, uh, I mean, it was or the interim, not from Kelvin, but from beating Kelvin. He got the interim belt. Um, there's a nice picture of them together. And even they uh, they asked, because Kamaro had won his belt just a month prior. And uh, before Kamaro's fight, they asked Izzy, they said, how will it feel if, you know, Usman becomes the first Nigerian-born champion and uh, you don't get that honor? And Izzy had a very nice response. And he was basically like, great, more power to him. Like, I don't uh, I don't get salty of things like that. That's dumb. Like there's more love for everybody or something like that. It was a very, very good response. Very, very more, much more articulate than I'm being right now. And uh, I, I got to think that if Kamaro went up, he would only be if Izzy had left um, out, of, out of respect, you know. But uh, in general, like you said, there's a lot of strikers at the top of the division. I think Usman will probably clean up not named Izzy. Okay, I got to be very clear on that. If if they try and set up a fucking Nigeria on Nigeria super fight, I am not having any of it, dude. I would hope uh, Adesanya fucking bodies Usman, and that's on everything. guys have no idea how happy this made me when I received this voice message. Obviously, when it came in, I already made the decision that I was not in the headspace to record. But uh, it brightened my day to get this from Jim. And I th- and I said, I, kn- I know I have to get, I get back and I have to answer this because it's going to be fucking amazing. I love that we went from Pat Tobin from Australia to who you thought was Smokey J. Um, and Jim Assoon played the fucking surprise. He fucking... Like a Rick roll, he fucking rip rolled. The fucking bong rip roll. Yeah, that's how we do. Uh, hell yeah, Jim. This uh this show, this world, this community is is a much is a is a brighter place with you in it. So uh I really thank you for your contribution. And yeah, what's next for for Whitaker? I, I did say this at the top. Uh I like the Cannoneer fight. Uh, I wouldn't mind the Hermanson fight. I also think uh if, uh, well, I should say when Izzy beats Costa, maybe Rob gets that sloppy seconds and he fucking beats the shit out of Costa again for him. That would be incredible. Yeah, I like that a lot, actually. Because fuck Costa. And then Kennedy gets a shot anyway. Oh, that just fucking match made that whole division. You're welcome. You're welcome, Mick Maynard. I think Sean Shelby does those lower weight classes. I don't fucking know anymore. Hey, 
there, Juice. Fighting with myself. Smokey J here from the land of the motherfucking Reaper. Fucking Bobby Knuckles. How good was that? It's a fucking awesome fight, man. Both those dudes put on a fucking hell of a performance, but um, Bobby Knuckles just did that little bit extra to get the W, but fucking Darren Till did awesome, man. Fucking, but yeah, Bobby just fucking outworked him just that little bit. Fucking Hamzat Chimaev. Chimaev. Oh, what's that dude's ceiling, man? He's fucking exciting as fuck to watch. Um, I'd like to see him, like, fucking just take on waves of dudes sort of thing. Just, like, you know, start off the prelims, fucking, like, little worldweight tournament sort of thing. Just see fucking how many dudes he can beat before he fucking gasses or loses. Um, what do you think's next for him? That's all. Bye. Fuck yeah, dude. I love that, I, like I said, we went from Pat Tobin to... What you thought was Smokey J to the actual Smokey J. This has been the perfect succession of of voice questions. Yeah, dude. I want to see that mini uh, Hamza tournament. T- tournament. <laughs> and uh, I think he fucking just wrecks everybody. And I, and I got to say, like I said this earlier, um, when I talked about, you know, people either not hyping him enough or overhyping him. And I kind of fall somewhere in the middle, but definitely towards the hype. And I think for me, uh, I, I was thinking about this as well. Like pe- the people that are, that are hesitant and they're saying that, oh, 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 he, he did this to lesser fighters. Like that's not in his control. What, what, what caliber of fighter they put in front of him. Someone that good is going to do to have that dominant performance sort of regardless, if that makes sense. Like, yes, it's, it's fair to be skeptical, and say like, oh, he could just be like, it, it could be a stylistic thing, and he just fucking wreck shop on those guys. And if he had someone that is also a wrestler, maybe they he would have as good of performance. But I gotta think that's not true. Again, evidenced by John Gooden's commentary of, of having seen him do work against Ali Latifi. Like, the guy is in a phenomenal camp, uh, has the background, and uh, I just think he really could do something. I heard on the, I want to do a quick shout out to the Fight Geek uh, from the Split Decision Podcast because I was listening to their last episode and um, and the Fight Geek had recommended Kelvin versus Vittori and I was like, dude, that's the fucking seed. That's the fight, dude. And then I saw someone on the timeline recommend Vittori versus uh, Chimaev and I was like, okay, that actually might be it. And I don't know, like, Vittori, Gaslam makes more sense, but... Someone like that, or oh, you know who would be fucking really good to see him, uh, Chimaev against? Um, I keep forgetting he's not a uh, middleweight because he debuted a middleweight and then right, right back to his normal weight class. I was gonna say versus um, the fucking guy that had um, Amari Akhmadov, but I think he's uh, matched up with Chris Weidman at the moment, or maybe he wasn't. This fucking Corona is throwing a wrench in everything, dude. Uh, welterweight, you know, honestly, I would love to see fucking Chimaev versus Eliseu Zaleski Dos Santos, dude. That's the fucking seed. That's the seed. All right, I'm getting uh, getting enough Joey Diaz uh, right now. Hey, Juicy. It's Laura. Um, Shemayev was great last night, and I would like to see him put the brakes on Masvidal now. What do you think? I think I think it's a good fight. And I think he beats the shit out of... Well, not beats the shit, but 
he does some damage to Masvidal. All right, thanks. Now, this is a great question. Uh, so stylistically, I would love to see that fight, especially because Jorge on, uh, what is that, six days notice, um, was able to not get mauled by Kamaru. Obviously, it was a pretty one-sided fight, but uh, a lot of just holding and, and some foot stomps and not a lot of actual fucking takedowns taking place. Jorge has phenomenal takedowns. Uh, go back to, or sorry, takedown defense. Uh, go back to the Damian Maya fight. Uh, Damian cannot get him down. Um, Jorge just will fucking not go down, dude. Um, I would love to see actually, and I'm, I'm, I'm going back on what I said now that I'm thinking about it, because I was thinking about Jorge Masvidal versus James Krause at 155. They need to run that back at Walterweight, by the way. But before that, they should do James Krause versus Chimaev. Can you imagine that fight? Bro. If he beats James Krause, then these motherfuckers online will have to start putting some respect on Chimaev's name. I'm acting like a lifelong fan. And that's like the, that's their fucking issue. It's like, oh, don't act like you're a fan of the guy when you just found out about him 10 days ago. It's like, yeah, dude. You know, I can tell you, sometimes it just fucking clicks. Like, the second I saw Izzy made his debut, I was like, I will follow you wherever you go, King. I swear to God. He, he debuted in Perth against Rob Wilkinson. Cut that man up like a surgeon. Pissed all over the cage. Obviously, not actually, but like, you know, in acting, we say space work-wise, like improv, like space work. He fucking mim mimic mimed it, whatever you want to call it. And then he goes, middleweights. I'm the new dog in the yard. And I just piss all over this cage. And I was like, oh my fucking God. That's it, dude. I'm in. Hook, line, and sinker. And sometimes you have a guy like Chimaev who fucking wrecks a dude, beats the shit out of a guy twice his size, and then is like, actually, I'm a welterweight. I'm going to go back down to welterweight. Ten days later, puts another beating on another human being, and you go, yep, dude, that's it. I'm You're my guy. That's it. Fucking... Go back already last uh, two weeks ago or whatever the fuck it is now. Munir Lasez beat the shit out of Abdul Razak Al Hassan. I mean, they beat the shit out of each other, but, you know, whooped that guy's ass that fight. I mean, bro, I'm a fan already. It doesn't take much. I mean, it does, but it doesn't take long, <laughs> you know? I should write a fucking book about when it's okay to be a bandwagon fan and when it's not okay to be a bandwagon fan. When. When Colby Covington mauled the shit out of Robbie Lawler, it is not okay to be a bandwagon fan because, mm, piece of shit. And also went on the mic and said, uh, Matt Hughes got out of the way of a train, like made a Matt Hughes train joke about Robbie Lawler. Like, what? Bro. And I'm not even like, Matt Hughes is a piece of shit as well. But like, bro, you have some respect. And then, this is, not, this is so not even relevant. But you know, like, I gotta tell. I gotta teach people how how to be a fan, when to be a fan, what's the right levels. I don't even know what I'm saying here. Uh, thank you for your question, Laura. Everyone, give uh, Laura a follow. And now we move on to. I'll just let him interrupt himself because he always says it the best way. Hey, juicy baby, it's MMA Catfish here. Today I pose to you. The age-old question, why the fuck do we even have rules in MMA? Charles Cowboy Oliveira just straight up kicks dude in the dick. 
Duke gets a little bit of break to shake it off, and we go back to fighting. No point reduction. Now, did he say, I'm just going to kick him in the dick? No, it didn't appear that way. But he sure as fuck did. It sure as fuck affected the other guys fighting. And what the fuck? Bullshit. Then, in the same round, he straight up pokes dude in the eye. Doing exactly what the rules say are not allowed. Advancing with his fingers extended. The ref, once again, warns him. Dude gets very little break because the rules call for no break over an eye poke for some weird, stupid fucking reason. Uh, and then they go back to fighting. Now dude has an eye that is seriously compromised. And Oliveira spends the rest of that round, plus the entire third round, fighting the exact same way, with his fingers just straight out extended. So yeah, of course dude is having a hard time closing the distance, because if he tries too hard, he's going to get poked in the eye again. And nothing is going to happen. It is such a joke. And yeah, I suppose everybody's going to be mad at me because I saw that everybody was in love with Cowboy Oliveira for his performance. And I'm not calling him a dirty fighter because I don't think he was doing any of it necessarily on purpose. But he also does those things because he knows he's not going to get in trouble for it. Not like... The dude doesn't know the rules about fighting with his fingers extended and just has no way possible to adjust his fighting style. Couple things. I love you. Never change. Number two. Uh, Alex Oliveira. Charles Oliveira is the gentleman at 155 whose name is Dubronx. Uh, so Alex Cowboy Oliveira. I submit to you and I full 110% Credit goes to Rhino, unless he didn't come up with this, but I'm pretty sure he did. He, Alex Oliver's new nickname should be the Sperminator. So, yeah. And also, number three, or whatever number we're on at this point, you definitely are calling him a dirty fighter. I mean, he spent two minutes telling how he was just fucking had blatant disregard for the rules. Uh, that's a dirty fighter. But I gotta say also, um, <laughs> We're asking a guy who has 10 different kids from eight different baby mamas and they all live on the same street to have a moral compass. And yes, we ask that of everybody, but like, you know, at a certain point, when are we like, I'm not surprised um, if I can, if I can say that, um, and it's so sad, but the first thing that came to mind when I, when I heard your message, Seth, was, um, I was thinking about people that can take, uh, Oliveira's shit and handle him, uh, like Mike Perry didn't give a fuck about any of those, those, uh, you know, things he was throwing his way and, and beat the shit out of Oliveira, even slammed him and, and stumbled off camera. That shit was hilarious. But I was also thinking about how Gutter Nelson carved an Icelandic rune into his forehead. You go back and watch that fight and, and go look at the picture. Um, he carved what I think is the Icelandic rune for the letter A into uh, Alex Oliveira's forehead. That shit is next level nasty. And I was also thinking, this is so fucking the theme of this episode. Uh, I was thinking, 
You know what? Gunnar Nelson versus Chimaev is a fun fight. <laughs> but actually, Oliveira versus Chimaev is not, not a bad fight. Uh, I digress. I should get back to your question. Yeah, why do we have rules? Honestly, I don't know. Because here's the thing. In some regard, in some aspects, I'm a proponent of less rules. Simply for the fact that if certain things were legal, we would have more defense for them. And there would be more aware of them. F fighters don't fight on the assumption that they're going to get eye-poked. Fighters don't fight on the assumption that they're going to get groin kicked. And so if, if these things were legal, and I'm not necessarily saying that they should, I'm just saying if, then that will be taken into account in sort of game planning and uh, stance and, and whatnot. Now, is that controversial? Probably. Uh, are there people who have like a blue belt in jiu-jitsu being like, this motherfucker doesn't train. Why is he talking this shit on the podcast? That doesn't matter to me. All I'm saying is fuck rules sometimes. But hey, I've always said this. Do I always like rules? No, but I always follow them. And I always think that they should be enforced. So yeah, in regards to, uh, to what you said, um, normalized point deductions. You know, oh, by the way, yeah, that's, that's the other thing you said, point reductions. Uh, you definitely had a beer before you recorded this. Again, I love you. Never change. Um, but thank you, Seth. That was an amazing uh, message. Everyone go follow MMA Catfish right now and don't be deterred by his fucking name that says Bad Barbie or Babby or whatever the fuck. 69 with the cash up symbol. Um, it's a joke. It's a character piece, as Goon would say. I'm looking because I just retweeted Goon bodying some poor schmuck on the timeline. Um, all right, the first question. Uh, sorry, that's it for voice questions. We're moving on to the Twitter forum. First question is from And Then Some Podcast. Definitely go check these guys out. He said, do you think the way people acted like this was a sure win for Augustuson was super disrespectful to one of the greatest to ever fight at heavyweight? Uh, yes and no. And uh, I'll say a few things. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw my tweets. Uh, so when this uh, when this fight first got announced in June, it was like June fifth, uh, June fifth or sixth. I remember because I retweeted this tweet. I'm gonna uh, have a point. When I first tweeted this out. I said, "Verdum is going to submit Gus into a fifth retirement." <laughs> I actually tweeted that. And uh, later on, I thought that might be too disrespectful to Gus. <laughs> To go to go, kind of go against your point, and then leading up to it, I realized like you know what, dude, like Verdum's striking didn't look all that great in his fight with Olenek, and Gus uh, has always excelled in striking, and he has pretty good takedown defense. This is going to be a probably a, a, a that's going to be in favor of Gustin, but I I, I wasn't giving him uh, I wasn't disrespecting Fabricio in that regard, um, just sort of not wanting to root for a guy who says homophobic slurs and uh, has uh, USADA violations. Did I say that? Yeah, I did. Um, but again, I go, I, I cover my bases with that June 6th tweet. Uh, Verdum submits Gus into a fifth retirement. Uh, good question, though. Great question. Uh, Pat Tobin at Pat underscore Tobin. Give him a follow. Uh, it says, who's a better representative of Australian MMA? Rob Whitaker or Smokey J? I don't think there's a wrong answer here. I'll tell you what, man. 
Smokey J might be a better representative of Australian MMA because he is always pumping up the Australian fighters and just MMA in general and raising awareness. But I think Rob Whitaker is the best representation of the Australian people. How about that? Dude, Rob Whitaker is the man. I really hated going to to, to battle with, with uh, Rob Whitaker stands whenever uh, he was fighting Izzy. But uh, they don't think it'd be what it'd be, but it'd do what it'd do. I mean, hey, that's what happens. And uh, if they rematch again, I'm going to be on my bullshit again. And you guys are going to be still be dropping those Reaper gifts. And I'm still going to be fucking... No, I'm not going to be, uh, you know, whatever. But hey, just just you wait. Uh, this next question is from Joe Bloggs at JoeBloggs74. He says, is, he's, he's written Mahayev, I think he means Chemayev, uh, a better, bigger, more exciting Khabib. Can anybody stop him? He's really exciting. Yeah, dude. Um, I think it goes down to kind of what people are saying about level of competition. Like Khabib uh, is doing that to uh, high level guys. And whilst I think uh, Chemayev can do that to high level guys as well, he isn't doing that currently, so it's right now really exciting. Like, he has that same sort of balls-to-the-wall style. Um, like, think the Habib versus Barboza fight. Khabib was just walking him down, eating wheel kicks, didn't give a fuck. That's what we're seeing from Shemaya right now. Um, and because not enough people know Reese McKee and John Phillips, uh, the respect, he, he isn't getting the same respect. So, uh, yeah. No, I think he's... Uh, he is a he's a bigger version of Habib, but I wouldn't necessarily say more exciting, uh, even though I am more excited by him currently. Um, yeah, don't know how to answer that, but great. He's also uh, thrown up a great little graphic of uh, of the t- stats from his two fights. Um, he outlanded uh, John Phillips one twenty four to two. I didn't even think uh, John Phillips got any punches in, but I guess he got two in. And then uh, 68 to none in his fight against uh, Reese McKee. Just fucking outstanding stuff, you know? Uh, this next question is from Yugi MMA, host of the iPoke MMA podcast. You guys, I fucking love his show. Uh, definitely check it out. He talks about fucking music to smoke to. Talks about what he's watching and uh, watching on TV, uh, how to support. Like the man does his thing, does the damn thing, and I fucking I'm here for it. And uh, he says, "Who do you think Nate Wood should fight next? He's a big talent, and he's I gotta correct it. There's an addendum. We had a little chat about this." Um, He's he said one and one. I think he's five and one in the UFC. Yeah, I said five is what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's five and one in the UFC. Um, yeah, dude. I honestly think like Nathaniel Wood is a fucking talent, and he should get a good fight next. I wouldn't hate if uh, if they gave him Brian Kelleher next. I think that's a great fight. Uh, I also think. Uh, Cody Stamen fight is a decent fight. You could do Rob Font. You could do uh, 
You can do the Sean O'Malley fight. Bantamweight is so exciting, guys. Like, so exciting. Um, fuck. Like, there's, there's, there really is so many, so many good fights, uh, for, for Nathaniel Wood. Even I, th I saw someone th throw out the possibility of, uh, Nathaniel Wood versus Jack Shore. Shit, the fucking cops were just driving by my house. Boo. Go away. Um, Lost my train of thought. Oh, Nathaniel Wood versus Jack Shore. That was supposed to happen in Cage Warriors. And so it would be great to to have it happen in the UFC. That's the fucking seed. I feel like they actually have, would have a lot of like promotional material to use that. Because there's probably a lot of like British journalists being, Nathaniel Wood versus Jack Shore. That's the fight. That was, uh, I don't even know what that, like, that was. I was trying to fucking, you know what I was trying to do? I think I was trying to do like Nick Pete. He was like, oh, that until... Trying to do Nick Pete. He's got such a thick dialect. Uh, anyway, great question, Yugi. Another one from Joe Bloggs. Uh, I always appreciate Joe Bloggs because um, he's got three amazing questions in here, and there are only seven questions in the Twitter forum. So without Joe, this shit would be empty. Big shout out to Joe Bloggs. Go give him a follow. Looking super good with that FWM mug, bro. Uh, he said, if you could be anybody on the planet for a day, who would you be? Oh my god. This is such a hard question. Um if I could be anybody on the planet for a day, now see this this assumes uh, alive. So a lot of times these questions are like dead or alive, but if it's anybody on the planet, that of course assumes them being alive. Um I would probably be This is so hard. I told him it was a great question. I think I had something at the time, but uh, lost my mojo to record. Um, the reason why I'm taking so long to answer is because my first instinct I want to say Izzy, but I don't want to be that guy. I already I I started the podcast and the first thing I, I I wish him a happy birthday. Uh, I fucking did a whole diatribe about him on somebody else's question. I may have done it twice to be honest. I don't want to do it again, but I'm kind of I'm kind of thinking that way, dude. Honestly, like I love Izzy so much. I've said this before, but uh, his. His impassioned speech at the at the Black Lives Matter protest really in, inspired me to um, to make allyship a part of my identity, and I, I was just so moved. It's like, how can you not fucking stand a guy like that? I mean, Jesus Christ, what is wrong with everybody? Makes one pre-cum tweet, and everyone's losing their mind, calling him a fucking child. That shit was funny to me. I don't care. Love, Izzy. Get the fuck out of here. Um... Oh, no, you know who I would be? Fucking Meatball Molly McCann, dude. Yeah, love Meatball. I would just have to just live in that world, live in her brain for a while. Love that. Also, Joe Blog says, will you ever do a podcast where you sing these questions and answer in the country's dialects and accents it came from? Um, Honestly, that would be too hard. Like, I am a perfectionist when it comes to that sort of thing, and uh, I I really I really w would have to do it right, and it would take me so long. Like, I would have to listen to to your voice uh, so much, Joe. 
Uh, and I and I, I haven't sent in a voice question in a while, so it's kind of absent from my memory. But um, I I would have to do more to get that uh, that northern monkey, as you used to say, um, the northern northern dialect. Um, RP is is something that comes very easy to me because that uh, uh, that was my first dialect that I learned, and I had to learn it twice, and um, I also had to learn French twice. So I'm pretty good at French. And obviously I speak um, like 50% Spanish. So doing a uh, Spanish accent is, is uh, fairly easy to me. Um, but anything else I have to really research. Like I always try and do an Irish whenever Eamon sends a question in. And it's not that good. Um, or I'll, I'll throw up a, uh, a Scottish one. And Scottish people are so nice. They're like, oh, mate, you did a great job with that one. And I'm always like, no, I didn't. But thank you. You're so nice. Um <laughs> but yeah and as far as like the singing oh man like that's another thing where i think you guys are too nice when it comes to my singing like i i hear myself sometimes I'm like oh that shit is tragic and then people are like wow do you have a voice of an angel i'm like oh my god stop you're inflating my ego <laughs> thank you joe you are really too kind uh much love from from over the sea Next question is from Harry Andrew at Harry Andrew ninety four says, "Do you honestly ever see Till getting a UFC belt? It's hard to say no when you look at the likes of Bisping and how things can fall into place. He just seems a little way off the top." Do you know what? I would tend to agree with you. However, I will I will pose um, two contradictions or two arguments rather to your case. Um, First off, as you said, Bisping. If you go back to an interview Bisping did after the first um, Luke Rockhold fight, when he suffered that bad loss in Sydney, Australia. Shout out to Australia. He was getting ready for a fight in, I want to say Montreal somewhere, uh, to fight C.B. Dolloway. And Ariel Hawani asked him, uh, you know, Will you ever get that title shot? Will you ever get that elusive title shot? And um, Bisping was absolutely unwavering. He said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get. I'm going to beat this fight. I'm going to smash CB Dolloway, and I'm going to win a few more fights, and then get the belt." And you know, fucking what? He did all of what he said. And so, for me to look at a guy like Darren Till, so young in his career, and say. No, he's not going to ever be champion. Champion, whoa. You know what? Fuck me. Um, yeah. No, I think Darren Till uh, could absolutely do that. Especially, again, I, I mentioned this. After the Gaslam performance, uh, I was like, what really is Till a 185? We don't know. I can tell you, after tonight, uh, after, not after tonight, <laughs> after his, his performance on Saturday night, I'm in. I'm in. He didn't win the fight on the scorecards, and again, not not on mine either. But some people did have him winning, and it was close enough that I can say he can hang with the top of this division. He can hang. So, uh, God, Till versus Cannoneers is such a great fight. Uh, again, I, I, I said uh, Whitaker versus Cannoneers is the fight to make, but um, if they don't do that, or, or even just somewhere down the line, like Till versus Cannoneers is a fucking phenomenal fight. There's a lot of good fights for Darren Till at 185, and I think that's his home. Uh, even Izzy gave him credit, said, I love his striking, and I would love to fight him one day. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, absolutely. And that concludes the forum. If you want to join the conversation, you can send me a DM literally anytime, as long as it's topical or not time sensitive. Uh, on social media at FWM underscore pod. You can also send in a voice message by downloading the Anchor app, searching Fighting With Myself, and hitting that message button. Don't hit record, because it'll send me a record request, and I'll deny it, because unless, you know, it is a show I want to be on. I will I will accept. But then I also will be coming out of nowhere, and I might not accept. Who knows? I think actually Yugi one time went to record a voice message, and uh, he accidentally hit record, and I was like, "No, come back! I'm accepting. Let's let's go!" Like I was like, "Let's fucking go!" But um, yeah, you can do that. the The anchor ones, however, is a one that has a one minute time limit on. So if you don't want to do that, you can record it on your own, and you can email it to fightingwithmyselfpod at gmail dot com. Otherwise. On fight night, I always have the forum post up when the main event ends. Uh, it's my pinned tweet. You can go check it out at that time. And then you can drop some some knowledge. Thank you again to, to everyone who participated. Thank you to all the different countries from around the world that participate in the forum. Uh, it really, uh, really warms my heart. This thing used to be more international, and uh, I want to get back to that. I've, uh, I've gotten messages from the Netherlands. I've gotten messages from fucking Gibraltar. I've gotten messages from Mexico, from Argentina. I've gotten them from... Have I gotten them from Spain? I don't know. Maybe, maybe B-Firefly should jump in, huh? Just kidding. I mean, I'm not kidding, but I don't know if she even listens. Anyway, much love to everybody. Let's end this segment now. And uh, we'll get into the preview for next week. This Saturday, August 1st, it's going down at the UFC Apex. We are leaving Fight Island, and we are making our glorious return to the Apex. And you know what that means? The small cage. And the small cage is life! So many finishes. And on this card in particular, there are plenty of matchups in which... Uh, a finish is a high possibility, and the small cage just adds to that. So I'm very excited for these fights. Before I get into the breakdown of everything, uh, I shouldn't say breakdown, more of a preview, really, you know, my style. Um, another thing that is going to change about this podcast moving forward is that I will not be giving my picks for these fights. Um, I don't think people really care my picks anyway, and uh, I miss the days of this podcast when I went, I just sort of did an overview of the fight without actually picking who I think is going to win or who I want to win or anything like that because I just want to see violence. And I'm not one of those guys, you guys know this by now, I'm not one of those guys that says like, oh, may the best fighter win. I I like all of everybody. I respect everybody who who gets in the cage. You guys know that's not me. But at the same time, when it comes to these fights, I don't feel as though uh, I am worthy of picking the winner it's just not something i'd like to do so um the reason why i went i, I stopped for a while and then I, and then i went back to picking a winner and the reason i did that is because i wanted to be able to kind of uh 
throw shade on people whose picks were wrong, but uh, that's not good for anybody either. So, a um, couple shouts on the prelims. Eric Spicely versus Marcus Perez. Now, I love Eric Spicely for a few reasons. The man was very funny on Tough and was one of the first fighters to actually interact with me on Twitter uh, before I sort of joined MMA Twitter and did the podcast. Um, there was a very funny tweet we had, uh, exchange we had on my Aaron Jackson account uh, <laughs> on his first UFC run where I was, I was saying his fight should take place on the roof, like they should helicopter the winner out of there or something like that. It was, it was like such a fucking wild exchange. And, uh, Eric was very funny in that. And I always want him to win. Now he's funny. A guy named Marcus Perez, who for my money is like the Brazilian Mike Perry. Um, but a little more technical. Uh, the guy just goes in there wild and, uh, he usually gets a finish and, uh, I like seeing the guy fight. So this, this is going to be a fucking barn burner, I believe. Um, Eric Spicey's best pathway to victory is his jujitsu. That's just in general, not saying in this fight, uh, that's usually his bread and butter and what he's good at. Marcus Perez, though, very good jujitsu. Um, hopefully he throws some of those spinning kicks and gasses himself the fuck out. Cause Eric Spicely has good cardio, at least for the most part. Now, another fight I'm really looking forward to is uh, Ed Herman versus uh, Gerald Mearshart. Um, it seems like every time I, uh, I count Ed Herman out, he turns back the clock. Uh, when he was, uh, you know, fighting up at 205, he was beating the fuck out of those young guns, which is something you love to see. Um, and by all reports, this is a light heavyweight fight as well. So I'm super excited to see how Gerald Mearshart uh, looks at 205, who's been a career middleweight. Because uh, I, I, I initially thought, I was like, oh no, does this mean that, um, does this mean that uh, Gerald is, uh, sorry, does this mean that Ed is back at middleweight? Because uh, he had to cut a lot of fucking weight to get to there. And uh, especially, you know, in a fucking, you know, pandemic when shit is uh, closed, a lot of people have been gaining weight. You know, case in point, Travis Collier from last night. That was pretty depressing, actually. Um, but uh, I like Gerald Mearshart a lot. Uh, I like his uh, his grappling, his submissions, his killer instinct. And Ed Herman has all the tools to shut that down. But will Father Time catch up with him? I don't know. I think uh, I think it finishes in order here for, for either man. That's it for the prelims. There are some uh, other fights, you know, Ray Borg versus somebody. Ray Borg hopefully makes weight and scrambles the fuck out of that guy. Uh, Frankie Sines with Jonathan Martinez should be fun. Obviously, uh, you know, Chris Gutierrez is uh, always fun. Had that nice leg kick TKO finish earlier. But moving on to the main card, Kevin Holland versus Trevin Giles is opening up the main card. And, uh, man, I got to say, I really, really don't know what to think about this fight in terms of a winner, which is good that I'm not giving my picks for this because, honestly, if I was a betting man, I would say stay away from this fight. I'm not. So I don't give a fuck where you decide to put your money. <laughs> Even though I, ho I always hope you all win whenever you guys are betting. As long as you don't post about it on the timeline all the time. Now, Kevin Holland... I love this guy. 
Love the way he fights. His, his last fight, he beat the fuck out of that guy whose nickname is Fluffy, I believe. Anthony Hernandez, I want to say. Um, bro. I think he's going to beat the fuck out of Trevor Giles. Now, Trevor Giles is a tough motherfucker as well. He fought James Krause on 24 hours notice. Um, and, of course, Trevor had a full camp for that or, you know, at least semi-full camp. I think this was before the pandemic. So he probably had a full camp. Uh, James Cross is the one on late notice, but uh, but always when when someone steps in and an opponent has changed, we we'll always say like, "Oh, it's short notice for both guys," which is not exactly true. I think that's a little bit unfair to say. Uh, but uh, Trevor Giles barely beat James Krause, and I say that with all due respect. And even one of the judges had James Cross winning, and like. James Cross lost that fight because a fucking judge that got his black belt from Trevor Giles' coach gave Trevin the first round when James had his back for four minutes. Hey, Joe Solis. Leave. Don't judge MMA. You're terrible. You cost motherfucking Dominic Reyes a strap as well. Hashtag never forget. That's another thing as well, dude. We need to hear from judges. We need to hear from judges. I talked about holding refs accountable. We got to hold judges accountable. So again, open invitation for any judge to come on the podcast and talk about a controversial decision. They won't, but you know, it's there. It's sort of like IHOP. Like, it's open 24 hours. You know it's there if you need it. But does anyone ever go to IHOP? Fuck no. Next up is a fight I'm really looking forward to. And I've seen people hyped on this fight that forgot the first fight. They fought, at, I believe, UFC 216. It was a draw. Lando Venata versus Bobby Green. That shit was insane. But you know why I love this fight? First of all, Lando Venata is must-see TV every time he fights. Secondly, Bobby Green is the kind of guy that has to be motivated for a fight. And the way the first fight played out, I can tell that there's a massive show of respect between the guys. And Bobby Green respects Lando's style. He respects people that come at him and that don't want to just take him down or point fight. Um... The way I saw Bobby Green perform in his last fight doesn't make me think necessarily that he'll win, but it makes me think that he needs those kind of fights to motivate him. Like a guy like Clay Guida motivated him. I think this will motivate him. I think we're in for, honestly, I'm hoping for another draw. Fuck it. I hope we get a trilogy where, uh, a trilogy of draws, let's say. So I love this fight. Can't wait. Uh, looking forward to it immensely. Next fight is uh, Vicente Luque versus Randy Brown. And this fight has Fight of the Night written all over it. We say that about a lot of fights, and then it's sometimes it's like not Fight of the Night. So I feel like we should stop saying that. But um, I'm looking at this fight on paper, and I'm going, okay, Vicente Luque is always in wars. Randy Brown, never shy to engage. Um, this this could be fire. Now, a couple things that I want to talk about regarding this Uh Vicente Luque used to live in New Jersey, I believe. And because uh, Mickey Gall has posted that he used to train with Vicente before they both 
uh, turn pro, I think, or something like that. Mickey Gall uh, rolled with Randy Brown on occasion. I think it was at Henzo's. So it makes me wonder, have Vicente and Randy ever trained together? Have they ever rolled? Have they ever sparred? I don't know. I would love to hear it. Uh, either way, it's going to be a fucking hell of a fight. Uh, there's a lot of Vicente Luque fans on the timeline. And uh, you're right to be a fan of him. But don't count Randy Brown out. Uh, Randy Brown can win this fight. <laughs> Randy Brown can win this fight. Um, I'm looking forward to it a lot. Also looking forward to the co-main, which is Joanne Calderwood versus Jennifer Maia. Joanne Calderwood is uh, stepping in on short notice here, and I respect uh, someone who uh, was, had gotten a title shot and, by all accounts, can sit out and wait for that title shot to come to fruition and is risking it all against a dangerous fighter in Jennifer Maia. Jennifer Maia was the Invicta Flyweight Champion. Uh, she's had a tough go in the UFC. She's run into some tough matchups, but uh, she's always dangerous. And uh, I think this is anyone's fight. Joanne Calderwood could end up lighting her up on the feet, but Jennifer Maia has decent uh, decent striking. And uh, Joanne Calderwood has gotten some submissions, but for the most part, if it goes to the ground, I think she might be in trouble. So that's something to look out for. I think, honestly, this could end up being like, if we were to divide fight of the night by men and women, um, this would be, you know, a strong candidate Friday night. However, I think it's the only women fight on the cards. So that's a little bit unfair to say, but, uh, you know, really, really looking forward to it. Also really looking forward to the main event. And I'm pissed that it's three rounds. I, I feel like we can only blame Ronda Rousey for this. I don't know. Derek Brunson has turned down main events before. Uh, because he didn't want to fight five rounds, but he has also fought main events and fought five rounds. So um, it really, I, I'm, I'm confused as to why it's three rounds. I really am. Again, I blame Ronda Rousey. That's Edmund's manager. Um, they announced this fight on IG Live with Dana and, and Ronda. I was like, bitch, why the fuck is Ronda on IG Live? And they were just like shooting the shit. Um, I think that's uh, a serious conflict of interest uh, with... Uh, Ronda Dana's relationship, but uh, what do I know? Emin Shabazian has been wrecking dudes, and Derek Brunson is a guy that can either put your lights out or end up in uh, a one-sided fight where he's on the losing end of it. So um, I kind of hope we go back to Derek Brunson versus Robert Whitaker, like that fight where he just charged at him, and uh, I hope they charged at each other. And may the best fucking bull win. May the best charger win. You know? Fucking A, man. Especially the small cage. Are you kidding me? I was thinking about path to victory here. I was thinking about, well, Derek has, you know, pretty good wrestling that he hasn't used in a while. Like, Derek Brunson took down Yoel Romero, who's a silver medalist. So, Derek Brunson can fucking wrestle. Edmund, though, can also wrestle. Now, we haven't seen him wrestle against um, top, you know, elite wrestlers. But his wrestling has looked good. He's also been lighting people the fuck up on the feet as well. Uh, so this could largely be a contestant on the feet. Really, this is anyone's fight. So really looking forward to this. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the breakdown.
And thus, the end of our show. Uh, thank you again to anyone who got this far. Thank you for putting up with my uh, sad story at the beginning. I uh, debated telling that because I don't want pity. I don't want any any anybody to just think I'm, I'm fragile. You know, but uh, it had to be out there. So uh, I love you guys. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at FWM underscore pod. Uh, you can send in questions via DM anytime. You can uh, you can uh, email questions to fightingwithmyselfpod at gmail.com. That's where uh, a majority of uh, Seth and uh, other people send their questions. I said other people because uh, the other person who used to do that frequently uh, has decided to pretend that I don't exist. So um, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Good night and good fights.